0: On this week's episode, we go on an incredible journey with Homeward Bound. Are the Burnfords worth this animal loyalty? Did Chance deserve everything he got? And is Peter the best human? Find out now. You're listening to 24 Flames per Second. <laughs> Do you hear it? It's the call of the wild, and I'm gonna be homeward bound this week, everybody. Uh, all right, all right. Welcome to the show this week, everyone. This is 24 flames per second, and those were me, not real <laughs> animals in the studio. Uh, this is uh, your host, as always, Robert Speedwack, and welcome to the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. And this week, celebrate Call the Wild coming out. Harrison Ford, Hansel is getting a dog, a computer dog. We are going back to 1993 to talk about Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, uh, featuring other real dogs and not computer dogs. Uh, Because as we find out in the movie, computer technology was not there yet. It could barely print out a poster. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, everybody, welcome to the, uh, (laughs) and Evan's angry already. (laughs) Um, Welcome to the show. Uh, Let's see, what's happening? In the news for the show, there's no drink alongs or anything coming up this weekend. Um, and thank you to everybody who joined for our Oscars last weekend. Our Oscars drink along was quite a lot of fun. Yay, Parasite! Yay, mm-hmm. Parasite! Keep the <laughs> keep the momentum going. Don't forget about that movie. Um, but yeah, everybody, welcome to um, welcome to the show. Uh, and we are on a tight timeline tonight, so I'm gonna keep this pre-show blabber short, and uh, we're just gonna dive right in. Across the table for me this week, the Kate to my Frank. Chris Pepper Hamburg. Howdy. Hello. How's it going? That was, I love that Wyoming energy already. <laughs> I'm bringing it for, for Jean Smart. I'm here. <laughs> for Jean Smart. Yeah. Not um...
1: Kim Cattrall, by the way. Correct.
0: <laughs> Different people.
1: Different people,
2: I
0: learned. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, welcome. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Yeah. I uh, Yeah, I watched this movie, which you were going to ask me later, but with both of my, my cat and my dog. Yes. So...
0: Which um, one did they did they argue during the movie at all? A little bit, Who but did they root for. <laughs> that's pretty
2: normal. Um yeah, it 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 all worked out in the end. We worked it out. Didn't so, it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, and you did watch the movie this I week? Did.
2: Yeah. I did. Actually wasn't sure if I would have time to watch this the movie. So I watched this and the 1963 back to back. which was a really exciting experience for need, me because I hadn't seen either one.
0: We need that historical context. So I got the historical Important. context for you. You know it all. What's um Tao? Te- no, I forget Tau. what Tao. Tao. spell. Tao
3: Loof, and crunchy. I don't know. Bodger. <laughs> Bodger. Bodger mm-hmm. the old dog. Bodger,
0: yeah. crunchy.
1: <laughs> Lof. Sure. Lof.
3: It's all the same.
0: Uh, but uh, but but yeah, what do you uh, what do you know about the movie.
1: So uh,
2: this movie, the 1993 version, is a remake of the 1963 Disney version, which in turn is an adaptation from a novel by mm. Sheila Burnford, which um, was what I was actually more it's familiar the with. Name. Yes, they, they honored her in that way. Um, and uh, so the the 93 deviates a lot from from the book and the you know original adaptation, um, which I assume we'll talk about yeah. um, tonight. But. Um, so, if you're curious about that, um, they did change some of the breeds. The uh, the Labrador Retriever becomes a uh, Golden Retriever, mm-hmm. and then the uh, Bull Terrier became a American, American Bulldog. bulldog. Yeah. Um, the Siamese became a Himalayan
0: um, for I always whatever those, reasons. Those um, and I thought and it was the same animal. No, nope. Millions but, are fluffy. Yeah, yeah.
2: It, the, the the Siamese is the, the short same. hair. Colors yes, the same? Okay. they're both they're both have uh, the, the points. Why.
1: Yeah. And Siamese are
3: also um, really mean.
2: And the other really big big deviation no, they, they did is that they, <laughs> from the original, is that in the book and the original movie, the animals don't have their own voices. Uh-huh. Um, it is it is narrated. Okay. Um, so in the '93 version, um, Michael J. Fox and Don Amici and Sally Field mm-hmm. did the voices of the uh, bulldog retriever and himalayan cat, cat um respectively. respectively yeah love it and uh, no no animals supposedly were harmed in the making of this movie trivia I trained so. him to
0: slip That's in what... that mud pit yep or to fall through it if, you, wanna, if you want to if you want to reassure
2: happened, yourself every single item of trivia on the imdb page is a detailed description of how none of the animals <laughs> were hurt by contrast None of the trivia on the 1963 page is about how none of the animals (laughs) got hurt. Although I don't think they were. I just think we're a little more concerned about that these days. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Certainly. Certainly. Um, Well, very good. Uh, We've got a head-to-head this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, One one is team cats, one is team dogs. You'll have to decide for yourself which (laughs) is which. Um, And so everybody, let's start in and we'll uh, meet our Roaster. And uh, she's a producer. of Seattle's the moth, and a storyteller herself. You can find her on Twitter at Casey Rom. Casey Rom. Hello. Hello. How's it going?
1: It's good. Um, I am excited to talk about this movie that was definitely a staple in my household growing yeah. up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it should be. It should be good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. Yeah. And on the defense this week, Dungeon Master to the stars and an actor. You can find him on Twitter at NotChrisEvans, Evan Christopher.
3: Why, hello, Robert. How are you doing today? Good. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm yeah? just doing just wonderful. What are you doing right now? I'm not doing anything. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just being ready to, to uh, get a solid victory in today.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. he's trying to trying to parasite us, huh? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, this is like two weeks from now, so... Maybe it's not topical news anymore.
3: Parasite <laughs> winning. I don't know. No, it's it Super shouldn't. Mario Brothers. No one will have remembered that movie existed by then. Yeah. So I've got, and I'm going back to back now on these because I was in Super yeah, Mario Brothers. Yeah, we're in Super Mario. Well,
0: and thank Casey you. was too. You were a last minute, uh, just last minute addition to the show today. So uh, thank you for being here and for uh, switching sides from where we originally asked you to jump in. So that's okay. Um, it'll be good. Um, and so you have the the great great pleasure of having to do movie in a minute now. So. Oh, um, gosh. Ooh, so happy to jump on the defense until this moment. Uh, but uh, yeah, give us a full plot synopsis of Homeward Bound. The mm-hmm. Incredible journey. Yep. Spoilers and all, I'll give you 60 seconds and a three count. Are you ready?
3: Yes. Okay, <laughs>
0: in three, two, one, go.
3: There are two dogs and one cat who live with a family. The family is uh, has a father who's married in, they decide to go to San Francisco for a month or two for business, and leaving the animals behind at a family friend's place. The animals feel like they have been abandoned and decide they're going to go home, and they thus leave the farm, thus getting into lots of trouble, running into bears, mountain lions, porcupines, whatsoever, until eventually they find their way home.
0: You did it. That's it. Thirty
3: seconds to spare. Wow.
0: A bit of a, a cop out, but. Hey, it's... I didn't
3: miss anything. That is a... No. Some specifics, Debatable. but uh, let's if see. I remember correctly, you told me specifics mm-hmm. is what screws you up. In, in this... <sighs>
0: but you, you had t- 30 you seconds. Take, take my advice with a grain of salt. I like seeing people fail these things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the middle there, uh, Sassy goes over a waterfall, gets separated from the dogs. Um, there's a mountain lion they launch off a cliff. Meet back up with Sassy. They discover, uh, this is plot important that you missed, actually. They run into a lost little girl that they stay with, and eventually the search and rescue finds, what? Why? The search and rescue wouldn't have
3: found them if he hadn't been there with the girl. I have to defend this, but no, that is not a, a serious plot point.
1: Yes, it is. That's how they get found. Anyways. That's how the, like... Next act starts. Yeah.
0: Um, anyways, the Rangers take them to an animal shelter in the woods, and uh, they break out of there because Chance convinces them all it's the pound, and they're it's up. And there's no good. Um, and then they head home, and they, all the and at the same moment, the family just misses them by like minutes. Uh, and then they get home, and um, they're going through a train yard. Shadow falls in a hole, climbs out of the hole. Which is a very dramatic reveal at the very end of the movie, and then they all have a uh, turkey dinner for Thanksgiving.
3: Thanksgiving. It ends on
0: Thanksgiving. This is Didn't
3: technically make that a Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, yeah, that grandma's there.
0: Yeah, that grandma's there, and they're like, "Come in and get turkey." Yeah, it's, it's Thanksgiving. Well, you can no have one eats turkey, turkey
2: at any. No, 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 no one eats turkey at any other time. Christmas,
3: <laughs> that's um, ham, dog. No, that's one of them. Christmas turkey, goose, and yeah, you can have turkey, no goose, right. and ham.
0: <laughs> we're, we're arguing about. <laughs> Holiday dinner's now. <laughs> this episode is over. We're just really <laughs> fired up. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but, uh, but yeah, so that that is the movie. Um, but yeah, good job. We'll give it to you. You get the horns. Um, but uh, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get Evan's opening statement why he's here defending Homeward Bound by uh, choice or not. Uh, so everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, listen up, all you filmmakers out there. If you have a film that you're ready to share with the world, consider submitting it to the 14th Annual National Film Festival for Talented Youth, or NIFTY. Submissions are open now, so send in your film today. Go to nffty.org slash submit. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to the Homeward Bound episode. And uh, right before the break, Evan skimmed some important things, but did get through movie in a minute, and he, got, he won and did it. And let's get your opening statements. Why are you here defending Homeward
3: Bound? Well, I'm defending Homeward Bound because it is a lovable, family-friendly film of the 90s, probably one of the most wholesome ones that can be seen out there. And it is something that I think as both Generation X and Millennials can agree on as a nostalgic point in their lives of how we've viewed animals and our own pets and how we create an extra connection and being able to feel about how we are with our animals and about how the way they need to be treated and our own bonds created with them. And so I think that this has become a very important movie within pop culture canon Mm -hmm. of the sense of the relationship between uh, humans and their pets.
0: Okay. Let's start with the plot, since we are already arguing about the plot. <laughs> yeah. Before the
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think the, my main issue with the plot comes down to the fact that I don't understand what the rules of this universe are. You have these animals that can clearly communicate with each other, despite being from different species. Um, and then you have, you know, they run into a series of wild animals that they cannot communicate with as well as farm animals which you could argue are domesticated so Mm. like they can't communicate with them either they can only communicate with each other but then they don't understand what their humans are saying when they tell them like hey we're going to be back it's going to be fine and the whole plot of the movie depends on this misunderstanding that i don't understand based on the information i've been given in the context of the movie why they can't understand what's happening? It seems like they know English.
3: <laughs> hmm. They at least think in English. They
1: yeah, but also to each other.
3: They, yes, <laughs> they have their own version of telepathy. Is yeah,
1: what
3: it is, which is why it always comes in it's so crystal tele-pathy. clear. But, but if
1: but if that connection between
0: <laughs>
1: if, <laughs> if that connection between a pet and their person is so close, then why can't they understand each other? Or at least why can't the pets understand them?
3: Well, I think it still falls within the same point of that. I think that they do understand them at some points. It's in the same way of how we will kind of humanize some animals into them saying things which could definitely possibly not be what they were saying if they could actually speak English as some people like to do with their uh, pets. But I mean, obviously they still can understand certain commands, right? Um, they do have some sense of knowledge. I think that they it's more of like not understanding the intent or meaning behind what they're saying than actually what they're saying. Because in that same point of when they're being left there, which is the thing that confuses them the most, which is what the and where I get you coming at, is them being like, especially with Shadow, the elder golden retriever, Confused because of the sense of loyalty they that they've had so far. And so this is a sense of betrayal and confusion that these animals have had. As you have Shadow who has been there the longest and has you know the ultimate loyalty to his his owner. You have sissy, the cat who is very sassy. <laughs> sassy. Yeah. Sassy sissy. I like um, how
2: quickly you guys jumped on that. <laughs> well yeah it's, not
1: our it's name. because you
3: care about the animals you do as much as you hate it you do care about the animals you know who and doesn't
1: so, care about the animals though is their owners who abandon them on a farm like i that was so offensive to me at the start that i couldn't get into the rest of the plot because you have this kid who has a brand new stepdad who is begging him not to separate him from his pet And he's just like, well, they'll be fine. They'll chase chickens. And we know they're not going to be fine. That's not how, that's not what you do to, what I assume is supposed to be like a 12, 10 to 12 year old dog. He's supposed to be pretty old. Like that's not what you would do. I don't know, my family moved across the state with an old dog and moved into a temporary rental that didn't allow pets and just said screw it and had her there anyway because that's what you do when you adopt a dog or have a puppy or whatever, you take care of it. And so I was already so offended at the top that I didn't really like care about this connection except between the one kid who fought really hard not to be separated from his pet.
3: And I can completely understand that. I can completely understand you becoming emotional from your own pet dealings and so forth, in feeling like they had to do this. However, with them, the kids wanted to hold on to their pets. Unfortunately, they are children, so they still have to be able to listen to their parents. At the same point, you have, as a subplot of the story of them, children having to deal with a new stepfather who, who wants to do the best for him, but he's still in a learning curve Because he's never had his own children. They don't have
1: dogs in San Francisco.
3: Well, he does have a very small place. It's like, uh, what, a three bedroom for five people? Right? Then why are these children
1: being uprooted in the first place partway through a school year, it appears, Mm -hmm. to go move there? Like, I just, I don't get, there's not enough information for me to be on board with this plot. Like, if he, if he has a job that requires him to be gone for what we assume is a couple of months or less, mm-hmm. just, again, I'm working with the context I have. Hmm. They don't outright say how long it is at any point in the movie. I, I don't understand why the mom didn't stay with the kids and the dogs at the house or why... They didn't find somewhere that they can have the dog. Like there's not, there's just not enough information, and I'm just mad at this family at the start well, that's... for putting the dog and the dogs and the cat into this situation to begin with. Well,
3: that is understandable. I mean, you know, you have a, a a new father, husband type deal who is a professor at a school who's probably having to go and finish out his time there before moving to as a professor, a gender professor for this next place. I'm guessing, but then. You know, it's a newly, it's a it's a newlywed family, and you have the father, you know, being separated for four to five months away from his new wife and his new adoptive kids now, who uh, it won't be able to establish that relationship, even though they just were married. I mean, that just that that just feels um, pretty upsetting to have to be able to split a family apart like that after they just it's came together. It's also pretty
1: upsetting because the youngest kid is his and the youngest kid is chance's kid so Mm -hmm. chance is adopted as we know and so it's also upsetting to separate your newly adopted dog from his kid like i i don't understand why if we're if we're supposed to be on board with the idea that these pets are part of your family that should be just as important as the human family and it's not given that regard and and so it's really hard for me to watch these animals throw themselves into these really tense situations scary situations horrifying sequences watching a cat go over a waterfall is something i don't want to see ever again that was Mm -hmm. so sad watching shadow fall in the hole is like one of those things that gave me nightmares as a child like it's terrifying and heart-wrenching
3: or and chance taking the quills to the face
1: yes but also he you have for
3: it, it? <laughs> hey, let's not let's not downplay but the, the scene where... i will victim blame chance <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the scene where they're pulling them out is pretty tough to watch too like he doesn't understand that they're just trying to help him at this shelter like he thinks they're trying to hurt him and all of that is so heartbreaking That I almost feel like this family, with the exception of Peter, doesn't even freaking deserve these pets. Like, they they have not given me enough to make me think that they deserve this affection and loyalty Mm -hmm. that they're getting from them.
3: I could possibly give it to you for at least the parents. I'd give the kids a break, especially the youngest. He really doesn't understand so much. And the daughter is, like, kind of trying to please her mom. And and, and,
1: They definitely could have brought the cat to San Francisco.
3: But that would have been fair to the dogs.
1: No, they should have brought all That's
3: bad. Them, However, 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 um, I have one question for you before I tr- finish that. If you had seen these animals as humans, not as animals, would you feel as upset?
1: Why would I have seen them as humans?
3: I, I'm just saying, like, let's say this was a story about three people trying to get back to their family and they're having to if go through wilderness. If they are
1: dependents, yes, I would feel just as bad because the animals are dependent on the people in their lives so in the only scenario where it would make sense is that they're humans is if they're children Mm -hmm. so yeah that would upset me a lot to have your children abandoned for a couple of months
3: not saying the sense of abandon they weren't (laughs) abandoned because they were put at a farm where they were being fed and they were being taken care of these are animals who who in essence didn't understand what was going on for that point and they wanted to go home to their masters and who else would understand
1: that children that's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense to me to make them human because that just wouldn't happen. Well, the reason
3: why I bring that up is because you do get to see there are se- there are several growth stories that you have within this, right? Because you have Chance, who is a stray who was at the pound that was given to the youngest child, who has been to the pound. The other animals don't believe him about the pound because they've always had a family for that entire time. And he is somewhat nervous about the sense of family and he's just about himself because it's all that he really knows you know since he was he's still somewhat in a puppy like age for that you have shadow who is the most loyal who is the one who is the, brings up the sense of being abandoned to go on to go said find said family and the other two go along with that and then you also have sassy who has been pretty much uh what is it pampered for mm-hmm. all of her life. And you, as you continue on, you get to see that Chance learns from Shadow about, about having a uh, connection with your child. And about how to, and just in how, how to be a good dog and uh, the sense of sacrifice and family and so forth. And you get to see with Sassy learning how to rough it and give up her own selfish desires to be able to help out each other for that. You know, and there is the uh, bicker and fighting that you have between the Sassy and Chance, which then you also get to see them come together to to win as well. And so you get these like nice little subplots. In essence, yeah, you could say like children of like Shadow being the oldest child, you know, Sassy being the middle child and Chance being the youngest. One of the reasons why they have them set up there in the beginning of theming wise, right? So you get to see that. And you also along this movie, get to see that this is also kind of Chance's story Learning about what it is to then have a family and learning to have that trust, right? Because his own scared thing of having to be in the pound and then at one point having to go to that shelter, thinking it's a pound, but then them him being shown how right that people can be like that of just throwing them in the cages and so forth. That's why it gets somewhat convoluted in that point. Yeah. I think I
1: think that there is growth between the characters. I wouldn't argue against that growth with their relationships with each other and also their relationship with the humans. It's just that I don't think that the the starting cause and then again at the shelter, you have them just missing their people by like a second and then they just kind of accept. That they're probably dead like they were already found once so keep trying put out more posters like and there's so many things about it where i just don't get enough information i almost feel like i would have liked more of the human storyline to maybe make it make sense to me and again we're given so little information about why they're in san francisco and how long they're in san francisco how do they know this lady with the farm who didn't even go to their wedding and like all these different you know layers of things are happening you have this actually kind of interesting plot line about family with a stepfather situation that is kind of brushed over and uh, he calls him dad at the end and we're just like oh okay i guess we're doing that now And there's <laughs> there's not enough there's just not enough information and i know it's like a 90 minute film and it's you know made to be shown on television in a two-hour time block or whatever with commercials but it just it didn't give me what i needed i felt very much like i was just supposed to accept the information and you get a little bit of that growth journey from the pets but you don't really get it as a whole picture of this family
3: Mm. well then i must apologize for you I really do. Because most people that I talk to and <laughs> watching this movie have a very deep emotional connection in watching these animals going through the trials and tribulations, especially having to see Sassy going over the waterfall. I just told you or I in felt that same, way. And <laughs> the same thing of being able to see them actually finally defeating the bear or beating the mountain lion or at the very end, the most emotional part that everyone always talks about, about how they cry, they, they practically cry and well up about... Getting to see the animals finally reunited, and then that one small possible chance of spoilers. Those who haven't seen it yet. We told the plot already. We already told. The they whole get plot. home. They yeah. forget. They forget. That it's an plan.
2: incredible journey. They're <laughs> bound homeward, and they get there.
3: That chance. <laughs> du- that <They> not. <laughs> Shadow that makes Shadow it. Shadow does make it and getting to see them connected. <laughs> and everyone, I, I, everybody, even the people that I watched this with just recently, were all like tearing up and bawling at that I point. I teared up during that, that point and too. So you can see that there is an emotional connection that people have with this movie, that this this does matter to people's lives. I that think you can it see matters because
1: the- I watched it when I was a child and I had a 15 year old, you know, retriever shaped dog. Like I, mm-hmm. I had an old chesapeake bay retriever the first time i saw that movie and i watched her get frail and i watched her unable to jump in the back of the truck anymore and i watched it and it's horrifying you know what we never would have done put her anywhere other than our home ever like it's just that that central plot line is just so wrong to me that even though I did feel emotional and I ultimately rooted for them to be reunited with their people because of what they went through, I'm still mad at the people, and I'm still mad at the situation that they've been put into.
3: Well just be mad at the dad, you can't be mad at the kids about it. That's not. The their wife fault. didn't
1: stand up for the kids. I can be mad at her.
3: Sure, okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> just leave the kids alone, all right? The I can kids be mad at the a...
1: lady who agreed to watch them and then immediately well, left. That's their mom. I can be mad at
3: the... Yeah, that, that was... Yeah, she actually was not that great. She didn't leave a very good note. note. At the same point, the guy was supposed to be, like There was supposed to be somebody that was supposed to come and watch them. I can her. also
1: be mad at the bird watcher that just lets the cat run off, and he's exactly. like, all right. Bye
3: bye. <laughs> Actually, I'll give you, I'll give you that point.
1: Think maybe there's something else going on <laughs> no, here. <laughs> I would have given
3: you that point of that like you have a bird watch there who finds an almost dead cat on the riverbank. Is like, Yeah, I could take you to the vet, or I'll just take you home and see if you make it. Well, hope goat's milk does the job. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just feel like all the humans, with the exception of the kids, have really let down these animals. And I think...
3: Including that small child in the forest. I think... <laughs> that bad guy at the shelter. Yeah. yeah. But down. I
1: think that there's... Most people. There's something... T- this movie is trying to do, which it's trying to say, like, pets are important, pets are part of the family, pets are loyal, pets will do what they can, you know, to be reunited with you. But it's not holding the human characters to that same standard it's not teaching a good lesson about how you can treat your pets to deserve that loyalty
3: i disagree with you there okay (laughs) because everything you have just said just goes to show after watching this movie that you have seen all of that and then now you recognize that, which is why you would never leave your pets like, the, like that family oh, did. no, you I have knew learned, that
1: before I you saw have this learned, movie.
3: <laughs> You have learned the lesson that that family should have learned. And that is what the best part of this movie is. is there's many lessons that you can learn from this movie. And you have thus taught one of the lessons of this movie you know, through your point. And I, didn't, I agree I with didn't you I didn't feel that. that way
1: as a child, though. That's not what I learned from it as a child. Because this movie is made for... That the dog is funny and the cat is prissy and they made it. And I cried about when Shadow fell in the hole. I was a child, so I didn't have these philosophical debates. That's what we're here doing.
3: But I'm saying as a child, (laughs) then you would have been, as a child, you still would have been okay to go ahead and just leave your animals with another person. No,
1: I immediately rooted for the kid who was like, we shouldn't do that.
3: Which is why I'm saying you've learned the lesson. Even as a child, you learned that lesson. You just admitted it. But
1: not everyone learned. No, I already knew that. I didn't have to learn it from this movie. But
3: it it, it (laughs) self-affirmed what you already knew.
1: I don't think that you can hold that standard to every child. Baby people didn't grow up with pets, and they see this movie, and they think, yeah, I can just leave them on a farm, and they'll find their way home.
3: Well, I don't think that they purposely <laughs> left him on a farm to be, like, weird, Find your way home shadow, right? <laughs> In children. essence, there was another big point of this whole thing of the sense of patience that this movie talks about, of patience. If they had been patient, sure, they might have been there for, what, two months? Done, but eventually they would have come back. In fact, the kids were supposed to actually come back within the next couple of days to come and visit with them. Then we had plans. And then immediately to they were visits. told,
1: no, it's going to be two weeks.
3: It, w- it was a week, then it was two weeks. Yeah. Okay, that's, two weeks. All right. That's a not long months, time. Not months, but it's not months, right? And you, you, you have to remember, this is a large family that has to be able to pay to be able to get out there. At the same point, then you have the animals who then leave. And then if they had decided to just be patient like Shadow constantly had talked about in there, they would have ended up meeting back up again inside the shelter. Nope. And there was even the point where Shadow says, there is a thing pulling me back to that shelter because of my <laughs> sixth sense for my child. And they don't do it and they ignore it instead of being for what he always had done before in being patient. My sense. That story. is why I'm saying that patience is a virtue within the storyline that you <laughs> are not admitting to.
1: I shouldn't have to be patient in a 90 minute movie. Like Ah. there's, there should just be plenty of things happening in that amount of time. And I'm, I was so frustrated that entire opening sequence the entire farm it's like wh- how, why are they so easily escaping from this farm like i would have the first thing if i did for some reason have to leave my pet with a trusted friend for that long the yeah. first thing Solo i would, would do not last no the farm. no <laughs> she'd be more of the sassy in this situation <laughs> the first thing i would do is walk the perimeter and go hey yo what about that Do you think Um, maybe they could get out that way? Like, they literally barely take the time to, like, say goodbye to these animals. They're just like, all right, we got to go. We got a lot of driving to do. Like, it's so irresponsible. I've had to leave my dog with my parents for a couple weeks, and I call them regularly and remind them about the birds of prey that live around their house and the fact that my dog is nine pounds and that she's, like, a little chicken nugget to those things, and... That's the first thing I thought of when he sees the eagle. I'm like, Sassy's going to get <laughs> swooped. That was my fear. Like, that's that's the types of things that go through my head as a pet owner. And the fact that they didn't even take the time to do a cursory glance of the fencing around this farm is very frustrating. Especially knowing that this woman is immediately going to leave for a few days.
3: Did they, though? Yeah. Did they?
1: Yeah, I don't We watched it. <laughs> we just watched it. <laughs> I want to
0: make sure we have time to get to this. Okay. Um, the carrot that ta- we wanted to talk also about stereotypical representation of animals. <sighs>
1: yeah. So, Except turkeys.
0: Fuck those things.
1: No, turkeys do <laughs> suck. <laughs> I hate they're turkeys. The so they're the
0: worst. Here's the thing. something we can agree
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> Our narrator f- for the better part of the movie is Chance. And Chance. Is voiced by Michael J. Fox, which initially gives him the, you know, this kind of like charisma, this attachment to things that we know from Michael J. Fox, like the Lion King, where we're like, all right, I'm in. Let's hear it. What's going to happen? But he's so insufferably annoying that it's just frustrating, like that whole opening sequence at the wedding with him taunting Sassy and Sassy taunting him and Shadow being the, like, stereotypical, you got a lot to learn, kid. Like, <laughs> it's it's so cheesy and it's, it's frustrating because I find way more interest in these other two pets and I don't get to follow their story as much because the focus is chance. And I understand that he has a growth moment, but all three of them have a growth moment and it doesn't need to be so... Centrally focused on chance.
3: Hmm. Well, I think the reason why chance is kind of as the narrator for this is because he ends up having the biggest growth of all for all of them. Right? He doesn't view this as a family. He's actually even talked about in the beginning points about just getting what he wants and then possibly even taking off but before they they get before they you know eventually leave him. It's a big point in the whole thing. As the sense of his own distrust because of previous owners that had then thus left him alone and taken to the pound, right? And it is Shadow who is being his mentor, like Shadow, to teach him about everything that it is to actually be becoming a pet, and that they wouldn't be that they wouldn't do that to him as what had happened before, right? As well as he is essentially again a puppy, a child. He still has a lot of things that needs to be learning, and that's why he's so excitable. He's so curious about of all these things. And, you know, it's a hard thing to understand for us because we're older now and we've kind of learned a lot of things and we're not as curious as it is before. But, I mean, uh, I guess you could view it as, again, a child who is curious. And, I mean... Yes, it can be annoying for a child, and that can be super curious, going in through all of your things, and so forth. But that's also still a learning curve that needs to be done, in which we can see the growth that we have with Chance. It later seems on. like
1: it takes him so long to learn, though. It's like it's so obvious that Shadow is the smart one and the wise one, who's been through things, and like I understand that Chance has been through some other things, but he he gets told by Shadow so many times maybe don't taunt bear cubs and then oh there's a big bear and maybe don't chase after that porcupine oh you got quilled and it freaking hurts and he still you know it like gets to have his moment of being right at the shelter and it's like maybe he could have at least learned from shadow or listened to shadow once before then So that we can see, like, hey, sometimes we're both right. But instead, he's just so headstrong and never listens to Shadow, even though it's clear that Shadow is the smart one.
3: Sure, but this is a a similar fable that we've seen in many children's stories before of the young apprentice and the old master. And the young apprentice believing themselves to be smarter, young, faster, harder, stronger, whatever, (laughs) being able to... I uh, think that they are somewhat better because they're an the old man. They're they're done. Their time is over, right? I don't need to listen to the old man. The youth is what's going to take over and, and rule everything where then they end up learning that the sense of experience is is even can be even more valuable because that you know that and that is what we see within the, the movie as well because Chance at first is like, oh, you don't know anything, you old dog. I, I I know what I need to know and I'll be able to handle myself. I'll take care of it, right? And you do see points in where Chance still has that youthful vigor of like, well, I'm, I'm smart, I know my stuff, but what would you do, Shadow? And then he still ends up listening to Shadow and learning from Shadow and how to fish and how to be able to take care of himself and how to learn to be a family, right? The thing that he's been most worried about altogether. And so the, that's what, and you get to see the growth from then of the cranky old miserly mentor also having more of a heart for this young pup who at first he was like, whatever, I don't care about that. I've got my kid. And that thus chance kind of supplements for that of not having that child of the child that he shadow takes care of to then take care of chance. And thus bringing chance to becoming a much more viable member for the family.
1: I think it's just a little irresponsible to depict the characters the way that they do. When you have Shadow, that's a golden retriever, which is one of the most, like, common, you know, lovely dogs that everybody wants, (laughs) and of course he's wise because he's a beautiful, lush, golden retriever, and then you have the shitty puppy that's basically a pit bull-shaped dog, and that just plays right into that stereotype that like, you know, pound puppies and especially pit bulls are going to be misbehaving, getting into your wedding cake that your mom made and launching cats off of seesaws and and all of that. That's fine. You also have, you know, the, the one cat being depicted as this like prissy, you know, housebound i need my food to be warmed up and (laughs) all of this stuff and it's that's that's not how like every cat is that's not how Mm. every puppy is that's not how every pit bull is that's not how every golden retriever is a lot of them are really stupid so (laughs) it's just it's i feel like it it plays into this thing that a lot of animal movies and especially like dog and cat movies do where it gives people this idea. You know, every time a movie like this comes out, people run to the shelter and adopt a bunch of golden retrievers. Or like in the case of Beverly Hills Chihuahua, they'll adopt a bunch of Chihuahuas. As a Chihuahua owner, those things are needy as hell. It's not something you can just adopt because it's cute. And then what happens is that they all get abandoned because they're too much work. And then you've got a shelter full of whatever movie just came out's
3: breed. And you know what? I I can't disagree with you on that point. I can't. There are Mm -hmm. stereotypes that we've had, not only just for animals, but for all kinds of things, that we have progressively, as time has gone through for that. And yes, this movie came out in 1993. So, within the same stereotypes of our uh, brigelas and our El Capitanos and our uh, Edrizames, you know, which of these three characters pretty much go for our Comedia dell'Arte characters. So, (laughs) you have these simple types that have happened throughout most of the time and yes we can see that but i mean these are still stereotypes that are brought into today that are somewhat changing but not completely as well as you know this that for me i would love to have a pet i would love to have a dog i would love to have a cat however I recognize within my own lifestyle and how busy that I constantly am. And with everything that I usually do that I do not have a time for an animal. I do not have the space to have for a dog to be able to run around constantly, at least a large dog. I do not have, in, in essence, I also could have a cat cause the cats are much better at taking care of themselves, which I will return to that, that a lot of even cat <laughs> owners can say that cats are assholes. But that's because they can take care of themselves, and even though in having the cat, I still don't feel comfortable in not having and having a cat because I don't feel like I still would have enough time for said pet, right? And so I think that's one of the things that people don't think about is that having enough time for the companion because they think about how much companionship they need for the time until they end up getting companionship from somewhere else, and then that said pet gets kind of put aside. So. The, having a pet is a very big deal mm-hmm. and so I think that there a better story could be said of maybe having someone who has a close relationship with said pet who then maybe finds a new loved one and then having to deal with that whole situation is a better might be another, another one to say but you still get to see the sense of loyalty and the way that they do the actual family does take care of these animals that they at least have to take care of them well enough that they are willing to risk themselves life and limb to go all the way across from what are they from Wyoming to Sierra the
0: Nevadas the
3: Sierra Nevadas <laughs> to San Francisco. you know they have to have shown those animals enough love to be like, we're gonna do that. So I can't say that the family is that much of jokes or that much of a stereotypical type for them not to be like, hey, this is how much care that we have for them. And, you know, the the sense of the stereotypes also get to break open those same stereotypes later on in the growth that happens.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, like, just not how everybody watches these movies. I would love to watch movies that way. And I think, you know, having owned pets my whole life, I have a different view on it than some people do but i think that ultimately this movie doesn't do enough to discourage people from going out and just adopting a pet because i saw it in this movie and it was cute or you know like every easter movie now has a disclaimer about how bunnies are a lot of work and you shouldn't just
3: get a bunny because it's easter well they have the same problem with uh, Nemo as well. Yeah. And Nemo, Nemo was the whole thing against of having him as a pet and yet people were still going out That's and going saying. to be for that.
2: Everyone yeah. really a... went out and got killer, killer whales after killer that. Whale. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had my own killer whale when I was a child. <laughs> I did I did want to ask you guys we're getting like really into some weeds of like proper <laughs> animal ownership and care yes. and and characters as if these dogs and cats are real people and we can critique them on those on those bases but I wanted to bring it back to something like the in the intro trivia you know i mentioned that this is a remake of a film that was made originally 30 years prior Mm -hmm. and like a lot of other animal films and specifically disney live action animal films those animals did not talk they had Mm -hmm. personalities right but they were not treated like humans with human Mm -hmm. personas and you can see that in old yeller in big red in you know born free like there's a whole bunch of movies where you have this and in the original Incredible Journey, right? They, there was narration. They were treated more or less like animals that had a little bit more autonomy. But, you know, so I want to know, I want to ask you guys, like how you felt about, not as a comparison necessarily, because you might not have seen that movie, but the idea of taking that genre and the addition of these very human characteristics and voices how does that play for you in this film? Because that goes to the characterization and the structure. Because that's a, I think that's a really big shift in, mm-hmm. in how you tell that story. It's the same exact story, um, but how did that? How does that work for you? If you can imagine, if you can either compare it or imagine, if these were real animals, how does it change it to have Michael J. Fox, uh, you know,
0: voicing the dog? And keep it short. Yes, we got to wrap it up. Imminently. I
1: think it makes it really emotional and clearly i'm emotional about pet ownership and so to me (laughs) it was a detriment to have them be so human-like and and you know have these characteristics that you attribute to maybe your own pets i mean evan said at the top like sometimes we invent what our pets are saying or thinking in our own heads and i think that there's a lot of narration from these characters that i'm like that is definitely something that I could think of my 15 year old Chesapeake Bay Retriever thinking when she can't jump in the back of the truck, or you know, like that yeah. that feeling, which I'm sure she didn't have those exact thoughts because she's a dog, but it just, I, I think it makes it so emotional that that's why I am so fired up, and so to me it was a, a detriment to the movie mm-hmm. because it just made me like angry the whole time about how dirty these animals have been done by their family. <laughs>
3: Um, I think that's, it's an interesting question that can be somewhat generalized because within, within ourselves, we only know humanization of everything, right? We are only able to comprehend our own experiences and essentially only being able to empathize with any kind of other humanity because it's all that we really know as we are just humans. So typically within most stories, there is always some kind of humanization of something for that. These particular animals, I think, for this particular story, was made off of a studio choice. Mainly because off of the original one that we had had from before, as it was all just narrated before, and kind of Told what they were thinking about in the sense of their personality wise it came to be when the movie came out somewhat success not that big much but most people had said that the things that they liked the most were just the animals and when they were talking about what the animals were thinking and personality wise then any time of the humans being in there so i think as their own remake that they had done for that they had decided what we will do then with the same popularity that's been going on with say milo and otis and also with all dogs go to heaven and look who's talking Sure, even mm-hmm. with Luke who's talking. That the sense of popularity of getting to have these animals hearing their own kind of voice within it and having it be a recognizable voice would bring something much more to the table as that was kind of the thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And arguably still the thing. Yes. Yeah.
3: Sacred <laughs> Life of Pets.
1: Yeah, or... I mean, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Literally, any movie about animals—they're pretty much talking these days. <laughs> Humanization. Yeah. <laughs>
3: because it's what we connect with. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> we uh, oh,
1: It's
0: time to unmask y'all. So let's talk about how we really feel. Evan, would you go first?
3: Uh, I don't really care about the movie. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I I'm an unfeeling monster. I didn't uh, cry at all, even at the very end part. He hates Shadow. I'm just. Kidding. I
2: don't know. Where did
3: that dog get <laughs> Well now I, now I actually feel sad because I actually did have a dog named Shadow. So. Oh, shit. Uh, Casey.
1: Um, yeah, I love this movie. I, I do think it has problems um, as most like children's movies that I rewatch for this podcast do. <laughs> but it, like I said, it was a staple in my household growing up. Um, we always had cats and dogs. I always had dogs that I could compare their personalities to one of those those three characters and so yeah i had a really old retriever at one point i also had like a young dumb springer spaniel at one (laughs) point and i had lots of cats that just seemed above it all and (laughs) i think i think that there's something to be said for that um influence in my life and probably a big reason why i am such a defender of like if you're gonna have a pet it's a part of your family and you take care of it until it dies
0: yeah whether by your hand or some other thing
1: some humane yeah way
0: (laughs) uh chris first time viewer
1: yeah
2: i didn't really enjoy this movie that much um i am a huge animal lover but i i dig the more realistic sure interpretation i I grew up reading every dog and cat and animal story i could find but i always prefer the ones that treated them like like naturalistic dog behavior and Mm -hmm. so this just um like i said i went back and watched the 63 after i watched this and I actually it's just as cheesy but i enjoyed it a lot more (laughs) because i felt like it was much more what i like about animal stories so this Mm -hmm. was like it could have been people so I didn't care as much. Yeah. So that um, new uh, so in the
3: Wild movie with Harrison Ford would probably be something more up your alley than Call, Call, Call of the Wild.
2: Call of the wild. No, because that is not what the book was about <laughs> at all, <laughs> and it's not even a real dog. <laughs> <laughs> I have no interest in watching it. Good. Well, the, the dog doesn't talk. Togo. I've seen it three times. Yes, yeah, brilliant. Togo. <laughs> we can all agree, anyway, that, Togo we can agree great. that Togo is brilliant. Um, <laughs> but no, I wasn't wasn't super into it. Yeah. But you know, now I have now I've checked that box off. So.
0: Well, I love it, and I cried three times watching it, like I do almost every time I watch it. <laughs> I love this movie. Um, is this your crying? Movie? I think it's a little. It's one of my crying movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I wrote three specific moments that <laughs> got to me when I was watching this, and I like Aww. just watched this like probably kind of recently too. So um, yeah, this. Uh, I think this movie slaps. Um, I do. I will say that some of the writing is pretty hammy, which like. It has not aged. Like We've got Yeah, it's very We've 90s. It's yeah. very 90s kids movie writing. It's
3: it's why I say it's uh it, it is it is very studio done. But
0: there is some like there's some smart hammy writing in here. Like there's a difference between like stupid like this is a throwaway line for a kid to laugh at like mm-hmm. I'm too poop to poop, and then there's like some smarter things like when he's talking to the chef about. Oh, they said so we're serving the food on the floor. It's kind of an alfresco. Yeah. like that's smart. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't, know. I'm, I'm a little back and forth on like the actual dialogue writing, but I think they had to walk a line between adults watching this with their kids, you know. So, I think it's, it's tough. It's no Shrek. It is not. It's certainly not Shrek.
1: Is Shrek uh, the gold standard? Apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shrek is
3: the gold standard of children's clean your shoes wipe your face yeah it's <laughs> the yeah. children and adults watching both having a great enough time <laughs>
0: um, but, but yeah I mean I think some of the I, I agree that the rules of the world are not clear um, but I don't care because I love the animals <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah everybody that's gonna do it for this episode thank you for, for listening and we're gonna stick around and do our extended play our post show that's just for our Patreon supporters after this so if you wanna get in on that Go ahead over to patreon.com slash 24flamespod. You can get that and a whole bunch of other good stuff. Our Sonic the Hedgehog hot takes already up there. Mm. Go and get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, everybody, um, we uh, can't do it without you. So if you want to subscribe, leave a rating, review, wherever you listen to podcasts, or you have thoughts about Homeward Bound, you can email us at 24flamespod at gmail.com or find us on social media at 24 flamespod um, and yeah that's, uh, that's pretty much it to wrap this episode up um, this episode is produced by me Robert Spiewak and hosted by me too co-hosted by Chris Pepper Hambrick the panel's this week Evan Christopher on the defense Casey Rom on the roasting side and our music was composed by Rob Joins and is performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson and Party Fish Media our network is produced by me Robert Spiewak Quasi Phillips and Will Paulson everybody we'll catch you next week for a movie that is Hook, the pirate movie
1: Ooh. Of
0: pirates. <laughs> what? Yes. Hook is next week Hook. to celebrate Hook. Wendy coming out, which is loosely based on Peter Pan. It works. Um, but, uh, but yeah, everybody, so come back for that, and we will uh, talk, to you, talk to you then. Everyone, we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.